You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast with Angie Cho, episode 50, Kids Smart Spaces with Magalie Renee Hayes. Welcome to the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Together, they have over three decades of experience designing harmonious living spaces. Laura and Angie have guided thousands of people to shift their energy and revitalize their lives. Mindful Design School offers feng shui courses and certifications. Check us out at mindfuldesignschool.com. If you've been listening to us for a while or you're a newbie, welcome. And we hope you enjoy this earlier episode. So this episode is with my good friend, Magalie Renee Hayes, and she recently published a book called Kids Smart Spaces. So I thought it would be really um, timely to have this come out around the time that everyone's going back to school. And it's also very interesting to look at how we can design within children's spaces, but how it's not that much different from adult spaces. So I hope you like our conversation and please enjoy. Hi, Magali. Hi, Angie. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here today. I am too. So for the listeners, um, Magali is a really good friend of mine and we actually met, we were just trying to figure it out, like I think five and a half or six years ago, right? Indeed. It's been that long. Wow. Yeah, we met um, actually in a business class in this class that it's in New York called Weibo, W-I-B-O. And it's for people um, at all stages of their business, but mostly in the beginning. And they just teach you practical, very practical business skills. Like even what was the worst part? The worst part was, I think, all the math stuff, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The how to break even. That was, I think, a quote unquote fun part for everybody. <laughs> Yeah. And, and yeah. So by fun, I mean challenging. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad for, for me. Cause, um, cause I didn't have a product really. So, I mean, like I didn't have a lot of little things or a storefront or any of that anyway, but, um, that's where we met. And so I'm, um, really pleased and honored to have Magalie with us today because, um, one is cause she's very, she's an interior designer and she's super knowledgeable about how to design your spaces in a different way than I am. And, but so same, but different. And, um, she's also, um, launching a book this month, which is really appropriate, I think for back to school, I guess maybe you did that on purpose, right? Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm on purpose. That, a little planning may have gone into that. Yeah, okay. for sure. And then I'm also on purpose airing this in around back to school time so that um, so people could hear your insights and your approach to kids smart spaces. So so thank you for joining us. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about your book and your design philosophy in terms of kids smart spaces? Oh, absolutely. So my book is entitled Kids Smart Spaces, Decorating a Classroom That Changes Lives. And initially, actually, is written for educators. It also, for educators of all types, so school administrators, teachers. And it really was what came out of the work that I've been doing in making over schools, which is a niche 
a niche uh, portion of my business. And I've worked with elementary schools, middle schools. Um, and really the idea is it's design and decor ideas and tips from an interior designer that can support teachers to create spaces that inspire creativity, that uh, encourage academic achievement and also heal trauma. So those are all the topics that I talk about in the book and I'm so excited about it. It comes out this month. Well, it comes out, I don't know when you're gonna air this, but the book will be launched by the time this airs. Uh, and it's available on Amazon. But my philosophy in general as a designer is really consciously designing. So what that means for me is a combination of science and research and neuroscience and how spaces affect our neuroscience and neurobiology, along with uh, holistic ideas and approaches to living and combining those two things with design principles. And so that's kind of the process that I go through. And I'm really just about being very conscious. And that really means being intentional about the way that we create spaces and how those come together and then support whatever it is we're creating in our life. Uh, and in terms of schools and in terms of kids smart spaces or even kids spaces at home it's really about being mindful about what what can support you in having your child be smart and happy and uh focused so yeah i love it you know it's so it's so great because um because you you kind of just fell into the schools right i remember when, uh, well, I mean, this could be a whole different podcast, but um, your story <laughs> is so amazing how you started doing what you're doing, but then um, an opportunity opened up and then you started working with schools and then you were really able to to incorporate your philosophy into spaces that really work with children. So it's really, it's so amazing. It's so great that you can do that. Well, you've been an amazing part of that, Angie, actually, because um, I initially started with literally asking Angie if I could just follow her around and hold her measuring tape. And these are the kinds of things that I think um, is also part of what I'm writing and, and a book that I'll be writing long-term, but is really about how to transition and kind of take the leap from one career or, or field to another. And um, yeah, it's been a really interesting ride and uh, an interesting way to have gotten here for sure. Mm -hmm. And thank you for everything you've been a part of really. Oh, helping me get there we've been helping yeah. each other a lot we have we we're always able to vent to each other because you know entrepreneurs that's all we talk about is work oh my god the ebb and the ebb and flow of being an entrepreneur for sure yeah so um so i think for our listeners they might be really interested in your design perspective and any tips that you might have uh, in light of home spaces um like so if someone has kids like or even maybe a teenager or someone in uh, someone who's studying um, what, but I guess mostly kids. Um, are there some simple tips or or things that people should be aware of with their homes when they have children? Oh, for sure. Um, I think. Well, first of all, it, it's interesting because what affects adults are the same things really that affect children. So being conscious and intentional about what we're creating, we're going to, I go about it the same way for any of my clients, including clients with kids. And it's really about what are you creating in the space um, and, and really thinking 
being mindful about what's what activities are taking place in each room. And for parents, I know that many of the rooms in the house uh, may serve multiple purposes. So one of the key things to really think about is, you know, what's happening in this room? How many people are going to be sharing this space? And do the pieces in the space really support all of the activities and all of the users, all the people that are going to be in it? Um, and in terms of those multiple use spaces, I really always advise thinking about uh, finding multiple use and multi-purpose, multifunctional um, elements. So if you're in a living room, for instance, we're talking about, we can think about ottomans that have storage inside of it, you know, sofa that pulls out into a sofa bed, but also maybe it's a sectional and the one section, the chaise section can open into storage that just creates more space for the toys and the different things people are going to be doing. Maybe it's a coffee table that also extends into a, has a higher, a, a, um, a piece that can lift up and then be used as a table for doing homework or something like that. Um, so when you're thinking about multi multiple use spaces, you're thinking about multi multi-functional furniture. Um, another tip would be, uh, for instance, for study spaces, you want to think about lighting and make sure that the light is coming from above. Uh, so if you have a lamp on the table, then it'd be a taller lamp. So it isn't really aggravating your child as they're working or studying, but it's a little taller than them and the light then comes down on them. So that can be a pendant light or really, or a standing lamp, or it can be a taller desk or table lamp. So you mean, um, so, so like the bulb isn't staring them in so the, the light well yeah it's not only the bulb but it's also the the light that's coming from the lamp so you may have a lampshade and that may be fine but even so if the source of the light is at their level then on a subtle subconscious level it's a bit jarring so it's always better to have the light kind of flow down on them somehow okay. um that would be one the second would be to really think about the temperature. As it turns out, the ideal temperature for studying and being effective and productive is 72 degrees, which is actually higher or warmer than one would one might think. Oh, some men um, might, some men might um, disagree with that because <laughs> men like it. Yeah, I mean, they've, oh, for sure. They definitely do. Um, so that's interesting. Have there, have there been studies, studies done on that? Yeah, there have been studies done. I'm saying 72 degrees. It might actually be 76, so I want to fact check that. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember it being significantly warmer than I would have imagined. I always thought it was in the 60s because offices are freezing cold. Um, but no, that's actually doesn't serve uh, the most productive. You know that why make they you do the most that? Productive. You know why they make it cold? Well, I would imagine to keep you awake. <laughs> well, it's well. I mean, because I used to design office spaces. It's you know, it's really just because. They, there's no way to control like the whole, every, you can't temperature control for everybody. So it's really that they just make it colder. So, cause men prefer it colder and then they assume women can just put on a sweater. Oh, that's really, well, I guess it, it's better if it's cooler than warmer because you can't always put something on, Right. but yeah, just definitely sharing the studies done. And if you are at home and your child isn't having any of those conversations, then I would definitely keep it within, within the seventies, um, at, at the least. And then also another tip I would say is also have your child, especially for study spaces and for their room or decor in the house, have them incorporate their ideas. 
that's just a really great, mm-hmm. uh, teaching point. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's great for multiple things. Um, it's a, it's a teaching opportunity because they really get a sense of ownership and responsibility and take pride in their spaces when they have some say in it. It also, in terms of like study spaces is always really great, um, to encourage them to bring in things that they actually like so that on a, uh, again, in terms of being conscious, right. That connects just uh, that actually connects good feelings, positive feelings with the space to what they're going to be doing in the space, which is studying, which may have a negative connotation. So it's a really good way to balance out and create excitement around the activity that's going to be taking place there. Mm. Um, Yeah. So those are some of the tips that I have. I have a few others. Um, You tell me if we have some time, I've got some some sneaky clutter traps and things that you should look out for when it comes to clutter. Cause I know a lot of parents, um, especially parents and people that have children really uh, struggle with what to do with all of the items in their spaces. Sure. Sure. We have time. Go ahead. Awesome. So, um, well, one interesting thing is I've been doing some research on clutter and the effects of clutter on the brain. Um, it turns out that hormonally, especially for women, and and this certainly I would imagine goes for mothers, the more that women are dealing with their belongings, so that's been studied, that when women are dealing with their belongings, their hormones actually spike. So the stress level spikes. Mm -hmm. So that's just another sort of indicator that it's really important to be mindful of the amount of stuff and clutter that's happening in the home. Um, and sometimes the clutter comes from not only not knowing where to put things, right? Everything has its place. It's sometimes less about that and more for some people about, um, an idea of not having enough or scarcity or, you know, I'm going to need this later. I'm going to use this later. So really coming to recognition of, the idea of an abundance mentality versus a lack or scarcity mentality and how shifting your mindset, knowing that you always have enough, um, knowing that, that, you know, trusting that whatever that, that the universe or whatever your, your faith may be, um, will always support you knowing that you then don't need to kind of hold on to things that may not be serving you. And I actually personally have been using Marie Kondo's method of, does this bring me joy? Like holding that item and actually closing my eyes and asking myself, even sometimes before I buy something, I'll ask myself, does this bring me joy? Um, And that has really shifted the amount of things that come into my space. And then also the difficulty of letting it go. It's a lot easier for me to let things go when I ask myself that question. Um, So I love that. And some sneaky clutter traps. I'll leave you on that. Some sneaky clutter traps. I have some comments actually. Oh yeah. So, um, Okay, wait. Now I have to remember. Um, yeah, rewind. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So I, I, I really, um, I really like Marie. A lot of Marie Kondo's um, philosophy, definitely. And um, I think that. Oh, I agree with the the stress that clutter um, can cause you. I mean, obviously, I think everyone has felt that that when they have a stressful environment, or I mean, sorry, if they have a cluttered environment, they feel really stressful. And, um, and what I've actually noticed is that a lot of my, so a great majority of my clients, of course, if, if are pretty wealthy, um, cause they're hiring me for my architectural services a lot of times. And, um, I, what I've noticed, and now this is kind of a generalization, but 
the more wealth someone has, and it could also be someone who doesn't have a lot of monetary wealth, but they actually do have less things because they're not worried. It's very practical. Like they're not worried about throwing something away or letting something go or missing that stocking up and missing that deal or whatever it is because they don't, they're not worried about that amount of money. So it's, I agree. So it's, it's actually very obvious to me that, um, so people who are like uh, trying to save money and they hold on to things tighter and then they start like they stock up, they, um, they try to, um, they don't want to get rid of it cause I might need it one day in 10 years. And, and so people who have a lot of, um, have more money actually just can, it's easier to like, Oh, because let's, I'll just buy it later. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. I also think it's like the sentimentality aspect of it also comes into play. And sometimes there's really like a deeper level of not wanting to let something go. Oh, of course. You know, for, yeah. So, yeah, no, so no, for no, sure. That's those, 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 both of those things is definitely, right. definitely true. But I, but I actually see how it works in a, it works in a very practical way, but that is a indication of someone's, um, how abundant you are. So I think, and, or how much prosperity you have, because Absolutely. if you don't think you have enough, right. If you don't think you have enough, then you're always going to be holding on to it. So it works with, with any kind of energy, not just money, but maybe like with someone's attention, with food, with a lot of things. I love that because also if you are holding on to something and it's old and it's just, you know, just not like beautiful or not bringing joy or really serving your life, then how, then you then aren't creating the space to bring something else in. So I, I really love that. I love, I love the way you put that. Cause it is about abundance for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, and what were your, uh, and so like, let's move on to your, your tips. So then I'd say in terms of clutter, some of my tips is just really be, be mindful and pay attention to the sneaky clutter traps. And some of those are like loose papers um, and mail and cords and wires. I think sometimes people also don't recognize that, um, clutter is not only things that you're, you're, you're bringing into the space, like loose things, right? Like toys, like loose papers, like books. It's also the things that are inherently part of the space that just get to be, they, they get to be placed in such a way that it looks neat and seamless and cords and wires are one of those things. They can create almost visual white noise. Um, and they're there. And if they're not like, if you, and, and I always recommend those little cord, um, there are a bunch of different types and styles of them, but they're basically cord control in one way or another that you can get at any office supply store or, or home supplies, home goods store. Um, because that actually creates visual clutter Um, even the way your shelves look in the kitchen, like that can create a lot of visual clutter. So some of that, some of the stuff that fades into the background that you almost don't see anymore, but because they're not neat and because it is messy subconsciously and on a subtle level, it creates like a almost so that visual white noise again. So being mindful of those things, those are some of my tips. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I think for probably people like us, it's not white. It's not like visual white noise. It stands out. You're like, ah. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Oh, if I walk into a room and I see it was a, for one, sometimes it's the first thing I see is like, what does the bookshelf look like? And I'll see the books that are out of place or, you know, are the cords hanging out or any kind like if they're not 
organized and in a straight line vertically or horizontally i can totally see it drives me crazy yeah, yeah but, but but i think some people don't see that yeah but at the same time i mean for, like my perspective and i think my teacher's perspective is also that there's a there's so many people i go into their homes and they're like oh my god i'm so embarrassed it's so cluttered but it's not so <laughs> it's fine so you know also i think you can take an honest look and and only you I mean of course there's extreme examples but only you can determine if it's something that's holding you back maybe right now it's not like you don't you're super overwhelmed you have a few things that are out of place but that's okay but when you have some time and you make some space and if you're buying less stuff you may find that opportunity where the space comes up to start to let go of other things too so it's a it's like um a fine line between judging yourself and and then really or beating yourself up yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely because there's there's no need to add the pressure so if it isn't something that's inherently bothering you sure then it's fine but if you are in a space of really wanting to shift the energy in your home and wanting to create some order then those are definitely there are a lot of different areas that you can look into to create something that really supports your life and definitely that's an individual uh, decision to make and it's different for everyone. I agree. Well, Magalie, thank you so much for taking this time and sharing your design philosophy and those tips with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a, a joy as always to connect with you and to chat and, uh, I'm happy to do so on your podcast. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, me too. And so, um, the listeners can, your book will be a can you tell us again the name of your book and it's available on Amazon and all that information, then your website? Absolutely. So uh, my book website is kidsmartspaces.com and that's the quickest way to find out where you can purchase the book. You can actually purchase it there or via Amazon. Um, but again, it's kidsmartspaces.com and the book is Kids Smart Spaces, Decorating a Classroom That Changes Lives and gift that, you know, buy it and gift it to, to the teachers in your life. Um, and then also my website is consciouslydesign.com or magalierenehays.com. So consciously design is probably the easiest to spell. <laughs> so they both go to the same place. Thank you so much for listening to this earlier episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. Now you can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast and this episode, please share the podcast with others. Subscribe and even better, leave a review. If you'd like to explore the world of holistic spaces and feng shui on an even deeper level, please visit our website, online store, and blog for more information about feng shui and holistic living. You can visit holisticspaces.com. Support the podcast by checking out our certification and mini courses at mindfuldesignschool.com. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.